And I would also invite Pastor Scott Pontier, our lead pastor, to join as he shares a message from the scripture this morning as we continue our sermon series. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Man, I don't know. I'm up here with spotlights every week, but this is more self-conscious. For I'm going to do this. There you go. That might be better, actually. I think you're just a little more blurry. Um, we are, uh, today I want to do some work in the scripture. If you've been around here in 2022, we have been working through the gospel of Matthew, kind of chapter by chapter, and, and we're really getting to the end of it. We're getting to the last week of Jesus' life, resurrection, our crucifixion, resurrection, uh, what we call Holy Week, so it's a little different to have Easter at Christmas, but that's what we're doing, right? So today I want to do some work to try to like connect the dots of the beginning of the story and the end of the story where we find ourselves today. Um, So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew in chapter 26, but also in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and we're going to kind of be back and forth uh, between those things. And so today I just want to start off with the story, the story in Matthew 26, and, and we'll go from there. So this is verse 57 of Matthew chapter 26. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. So Jesus had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now they take him before the religious leaders. The Sanhedrin is this group of like ruling religious people. And Peter wanted to watch, right? The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. This is a really interesting part of Jesus' story, in my opinion, in my experience. Because as we focus on this holy week, this last week of Jesus' life, man, there is a ton going on. Right? There's the Last Supper. There's Judas betraying him. There's the arrest. There's the, there's the torture and the flogging. There's the before the Sanhedrin. There's the before Pontius Pilate. Uh, there's Peter denying him. Judas even hanging himself. Crucifixion, the tomb, and the resurrection. That's a lot. There's a lot going on in this last week. And in the middle of all of that is this verse that says, Jesus remained silent. It's unexpected to me, right? Especially when uh, the high priest is literally kind of saying like, look, man, are you not, you have a way out of this. Even Pontius Pilate says it to him later. Are you not going to like refute these charges against you? And in the middle of it all, nothing. And when I read the story, particularly around Easter, Easter time, I think it's easy to skip this part. Like, to move on to, like, the main event, which is the cross and the tomb and the resurrection. This thing that we kind of organize the entirety of Christian faith around, let's get to that part. But I honestly think there's something for us to connect in just this moment. This moment where God is just silent, where Christ is silent. 
Not too long ago, someone was telling me a story of their son. And their son uh, was honestly this point of pain in their life for many years. Constantly making wrong decisions, often in trouble and at odds with his family. And the story that this mother was telling me was, my son seems like he finally turned a corner. And that we have this relationship and that he's in a good place. And they were so happy and we kind of celebrated that. We thank God for that. But I also knew the rest of the story. I knew the story where mom and dad had prayed and prayed for years and years. And that they've waited for years and years and years for anything to change. For God to show up and work a miracle in their family. And so when I think of this moment, I'm excited about this moment where God seems to have been working in his life. And I also feel this long period of silence that they experienced as well. And if you're anything like me, you can connect with that because you can remember times where you have waited for God to show up. And Christmas reminds me of how often uh, we celebrate the moment of God's intervening right? The moment where Jesus was born and placed in a manger, but rarely do we talk about all the time waiting before that, the silent part, where our patience wears thin, where our confusion sets in, where we might get angry. We want God to show up, but in this season where we celebrate hope, I think we often uh, lack any hope that God will actually do something, that God will actually show up. Um, So, This sermon today, as we get into this, I want to connect the dots around this idea of God's silence. Um, A lot of times when I preach a sermon, I I get really excited about some interesting things that are in the text, and I want to show them to you, and we want to talk about them. Um, This is a sermon that I think is more about feelings. And I say that because I know where we are and how poor we are at understanding and expressing feelings in West Michigan, right? So today is uh, an invitation for you to bring some feelings into this space. Because if you don't, I'm going to be the only one that's doing it, and that's never fun. The lights are already on, so, you know. So bring your feelings with me into this. I want to sit in the feelings of these random thoughts and feelings around God's silence, at this moment in time, at Christmas time. In Matthew chapter 1, let's go back to the beginning. An angel shows up to Joseph, and he speaks to him about his fiance, Mary, giving birth to a baby that isn't his. And the conversation ends in verse 22, and it says this. All of this took place, in terms of recapping the conversation, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So all of this took place to fulfill the words of the prophet. Which prophet? Uh, A number of prophets a long, long time ago. At this point, when Joseph is having this conversation, there had been no word of God for 400 years. 400 years since the last book of our Old Testament, Malachi, who was a prophet. Uh, It's this time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the intertestamental period between the two testaments. And and, and lasted from Malachi's time to the time when John the Baptist shows up uh, in Jesus' story. Often it's referred to as 400 silent years. Now, Pocahontas died 400 years ago. 
Okay, I don't know if you know your American history, uh, but Pocahontas died 400 years ago. I don't remember her story very well. I can't tell you anything she said. I can't tell you anything she did. I'm not even sure she spoke. I knew she sang because I saw a Disney movie about it once, right? In fact, I had, would never even know she existed except I have access to a school system when I was growing up. But I do remember my grandparents, I remember my grandparents. I don't remember everything my grandparents did or said, but I have stories. I have impressions. But after that, my memory starts to like, I don't know much of what happens before that. 400 years ago, I remember nothing. So imagine after 400 years of silence, these people would have had this experience where they said, remember that time when God spoke? And it would have been like, no, what are you talking about? Was there a Disney movie about it that I could watch? That's how they would have experienced or, or been in this, in this place. And, and the last time God spoke in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament was interesting. Uh, it reads like this in, Ma- in Malachi chapter four. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of, of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children, their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. That's the last word we hear from God and then silence for decades, for generations, for centuries, for 400 years. But then God shows up again, 400 years later, and he speaks to uh, a priest in Luke chapter one named Zechariah. And he tells Zechariah that he's going to be the father of a son. His name is John the Baptist. And his son, John the Baptist, is going to usher in this new Messiah. And God says it like this. Uh, through an angel, he says, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Same words as in Malachi. Isn't that interesting? He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children. He will restore families. 400 years later, God is still on the same mission. And the last verse of that prophecy in Luke there, it says, to make a people prepared for the Lord. What's interesting to me about that is it doesn't say to make a person prepared for the Lord. So one of the things that I think is a feeling we can experience when God feels silent, maybe it's 40 years, maybe it's 400 years, maybe it's 40 hours where you feel like, I wish God would show up and I don't see that happening. So we often feel like we're really alone. We often feel like this is all silence between God and I. And I think one of the things that we can learn about the feelings we experience in God's silence is that it's, God's not always just in it for me right? Uh, When God is silent, we tend to narrow our viewpoint and we focus on ourselves rather than realizing that God is actually preparing a people, not a person. His silence can seem painful to us, but we're not really looking beyond ourselves, are we? I don't know if you were here last week when uh, Pastor Tom was preaching, um, a real depressing bummer of a sermon, really, honestly, which is Tom's gift. Um, But one of the things Tom said last week was uh, he told us that church engagement in the United States was for the first time in history below 50%. 
Is God silent? Interestingly, across the globe, Christianity is growing like it never has before. One LifeWay research said that almost two and a half billion people will identify as a Christian by the end of this year. And by 2050, what's that? The 27 years from now, that number is expected to go from two and a half billion to almost three and a half billion. Is God really silent? Or is he just working in places I'm not looking because I'm too focused here? Sometimes that's what God is up to. Sometimes silence uh, of God comes because we're so self-focused that we can't see beyond our own feet. And there is something that the angels say to the shepherds that I don't want us to miss in the Christmas story. It says, uh, the angels say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. God's business is a people, not just a person. So that's one random kind of thought I have about God's silence is often it, it, it can seem silent because we're so self-focused. But another random thought I had was about who God breaks his silence to. When we think about the beginning of the story of Jesus, the Christmas story, I think of a couple of examples in the gospel uh, uh, at the beginning of Matthew uh, and at the beginning of Luke, which also tells the story. But Matthew 2 tells it like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Pretty familiar story around Christmas time, right? When God broke his silence, he did so with a group of people called the Magi from the east. You've heard the story before, right? Little baby Jesus in a manger met by three men, wise men. They have crowns. There's always three. They're always kings, right? And the star is always super big, super bright, right over that manger. Um, It's a really great artist's rendering of the story, not exactly what it looked like, right? They interact with King Herod looking for Jesus. And then Matthew tells us, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. All right, a couple of observations about what the Bible actually says in this moment. The first one is about the star. Matthew never tells us that the star is brighter than any other star. Never tells us it's bigger than any other star, just that it's a star. And I know when we think about the story, we imagine the star is brighter. We imagine it's bigger. That's how all of our pictures show it, right? Tail as big as a kite and all that. But the passage never says that. Matthew just tells us they see a star and that star guides them to Jesus. Not that it's bigger, not that it's brighter. So how on earth did they notice it? I can't tell you what star is what star in our night sky, but these guys did. The passage also tells us that they're, they're not, never tells us that they're kings. I don't know where we got that from. It's in the song, but they're magi. They're not kings. Magi was a specific kind of person. Uh, it, was a, it was really an astrologer, a person who studied the, the sky. They studied the stars. They were smart men. They were elite in their culture, wealthy and powerful. Maybe that's why we call them kings. But I believe that it's more likely that the star wasn't any different than any other star that we see in our night sky. But that these people spent years looking 
Their whole life was centered around looking at stars. When no one else does, they were astrologers, no one else was. They study the sky, they map the stars. You and I wouldn't notice it because we're not star people, but they do. So that's one of the people that God breaks his silence with are these star lookers. And he does so with a star. The other uh, group of people that God breaks his silence with early in the Christmas story uh, is pretty familiar as well. They're shepherds. Luke 2 describes the, the birth of Jesus. And picking up the story in verse 8, it says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Again, God hasn't shown up in 400 years. This is, this is very frightening, right? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for, again, all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So to the Magi, to star people, God shows up with, with a star. To shepherds, how does God show up? In a manger, in a sheep trough, in a place that sheep would eat. So to star people, God shows up with a star. To sheep people, God shows up through sheep mangers. God meets them in an area that they understand. God meets them in an area that they're experts in. God meets them in an area where they likely find it mundane and normal and not surprising. I think sometimes God feels silent because we're not listening to the places where he is speaking. We're looking for something else. We're looking outside of what we normally experience and go, God's got to be out there in a surprising, miraculous way. Some of us, I wonder, we think God is silent because we're like, I don't see big, huge stars in the sky. But maybe God's trying to show up in something that feels more normal to you. I wonder if God's showing up and he's speaking in a language you already understand. Do you love music? Are you a music person? Ever had music just like feel transcendent to you? Why is that? I think it's because God speaks to us in a language we can understand. To star people, it's a star. To sheep people, it's sheep. To music people, it's music. Maybe you're a runner. Have you ever had that like runner's high? You work with spreadsheets and when those numbers line up, the angels sing. Some of you know you are that person, right? Or do you like just find God's joy when you solve a problem? And you are a technical problem solver, right? I think God's showing up in those moments and he speaks in a language that we understand, but we aren't listening to it. So when we feel that God is silent, I think it's worth remembering that he is at work in others, not just me. And perhaps I'm a little too self-focused. And when God feels silent, it's worth remembering that maybe I'm overlooking ways in which he's already present in my life. Perhaps I'm just failing to give my attention to it. So another random thought about God's silence that I think gives us some hope for today. Because what I love about this story is that after 400 years, generation after generation of God just being 
silent and quiet, he actually shows up closer than he ever had before. After the silence in front of the Sanhedrin, the betrayal of Peter and the cross, Jesus shows up out of the grave in a way more powerful than he ever has before. Because I believe that the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus is a story of God coming close, not God being far. We experience distance and silence, but yet God actually is coming nearer to us. Uh, The apostle Paul talks about it all the time, right? Look at a couple of verses from his letters. In Romans, he says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5, verse 8. While we were far away, he came close to us. And Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And in Philippians, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, become obedient to death, even death on a cross. I think the beginning of the book of Matthew was a story about God putting skin on, God coming close to humanity in a way he never had before. And the end of Matthew is a story about a God who still meets us when we're far away spiritually, when we're still sinners, he shows up on a cross for us. And at the very beginning in Matthew 1 verse 23, Joseph reminds us of the prophecy. And he says, uh, Joseph was reminded, they call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I want that. Especially when God feels silent, I want God close. I want to know that he hears me when I pray. I want to know that he hurts, that he cares when I hurt. I want to know that when I'm lonely, he is there. And I know that all up here. I can read all of that, right? But I want to feel that. I want to do more than just know that. So whenever you are in that silence, that part where it feels like Jesus remained silent, Number one, I just want you to know that you're not alone. God's people experience his silence all the time throughout the Bible. And it doesn't mean that he's not there. It doesn't mean that there is no hope. Maybe the distance is just about waiting. We look at uh, this Advent season and it is all about preparation. It is all about waiting for the moment where God comes close. Let's not skip past that because we think that God is silence. You know, preaching on God's silence uh, reminds me of the COVID pandemic. Is it far away enough now for me to use COVID pandemic times as a sermon illustration? I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, what was that like for you in those moments? Remember that time, like just past the first couple of weeks where you've sort of resigned yourself to like washing your groceries in your garage And you're like, okay, maybe this is going to be a little more than like a couple of nights over a sleepover with all of my family under one roof. And um, boy, now where is this thing going to go? You're sort of starting to settle into wherever you were, whether you loved it or not, this was happening to us. I remember those days, right? There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of impatience. We worked really, really hard to try to like make meaning and purpose and sense out of what was happening around us. 
And these are like the kinds of things that we feel when our lives get turned upside down and we wonder where God is in all of it. And it just seems like he's over here and I'm trying to make sense. These are the kind of things that we feel when God is silent. And so uh, I want to give you a little gift this morning. I want to invite you to take whatever you, wherever you feel that God is silent thing in your life right now. Could be in a relationship, could be in a future that you're concerned about, could be in something that you're trying really hard to have control over and it just isn't working. Where are you feeling the anxiety, the confusion, the impatience, the silence of God? And I just want to show a little video while we sit in those feelings. And it's a video that uh, is a song that was created, I want to say, probably about three weeks into the pandemic. And it's people just kind of processing that. So we're just going to have a few moments of simple reflection. You're going you're gonna to take whatever you take out of this, but I want you to bring with it the silence you might feel from God. Bring with you what you might feel stuck in, what might feel painful, what might feel impatient. And maybe God's going to show up to you in an unexpected way. So let's go ahead and play that video, and then I'll come up and, and, and finish and close for us. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is a keep going, keep going. mostly healthy we've been okay are you okay are you all right are you okay are you all right are you okay i hope your body is whole tonight and if your heart is breaking i hope it's breaking open and if your breath is shaking i hope it's shaking through and then i Hope that you've watched a lot of really great television, like a lot of it. And I hope that you find a hand lotion that actually makes your skin feel better. And I hope that you have enough to eat. I hope you're getting enough sleep. And I hope you have enough good company or enough good memory to last you a long time. going on song we sing the keep going keep going keep going keep going on keep going on song let's bring some joy into the room why not we can try it we can try it or some rage and some grief and relief I pray my rage is a fire that cleans my mind out and makes me ready to listen. I pray my pain is a river that flows to the ocean that connects my pain to yours. And I pray, I pray my happiness is like pollen that flies. 
I think God's silence can often feel lonely, can often feel painful and confusing. What do we do with that? But I want us to remember that when we feel God is silent, he shows up in the mundane, he shows up in those around us. And my encouragement for you today is to keep going to embrace the time of waiting, to embrace the time of wondering, to embrace the time of impatience. God may be silent to you, but he is not gone. So we're gonna sing one last song with the band here today, and we're gonna sing some lyrics like praise his name forever. Some lyrics like for endless days, we're gonna sing your praise. And my hope is that you can still sing that when the night is silent, that you can still sing that when God feels distant. We're making it up as we go. So keep going, keep singing, keep looking and keep listening. Would you stand so we can sing together?
to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior.
uh, God's longest period of silence with his people, he showed up in the most personal and powerful way he ever could. Through the birth of his son, Jesus, all the way through his crucifixion on the cross that we just sang about today. So as you leave today, let me leave you with a sense of hope that no matter where God feels silent today, that he will show up in a most personal and powerful way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. Amen. Before you leave today, please take a moment, introduce yourself to someone you're worshiping with this morning and have a great week.